0: New week of the call up here, and we are talking about prospects 60 to 41 on this top 100 list as we continue to kind of fly through this top 100 update at JustBaseball.com. I'm Arm Layton. He's Jack McMullen. Again, a reminder that you can listen or excuse me, you can read along with us with the link in the episode description. Jack, it was... uh it was a little bit of a crazy weekend, I would say, into into Monday morning. I guess Sunday evening with promotions. Uh, we got a lot of different players kind of going all over the place. I think the most surprising before we jump into the top sixty here, um, <laughs> Ethan Salas going to Double A. We were just you were just talking me into Fort Wayne and why it makes sense for Ethan Salas. Nope, Ethan Sal, and we're not going to get to Ethan Salas until the last episode. Spoiler alert! Again, yeah. you can think click the link in the episode description to, to to spoil the rest of the list for yourself. I'm sure you have already. Jack, Ethan Salas to, to double. Yeah. Um, uh, do you want me to,
1: do you want me to just confirm that it makes no sense because it makes <laughs> no sense? Like I thought this was as um, I, like, I don't want to say stupid, but <laughs> I'm going to say stupid. This was as stupid a decision as, as I think I I've seen a 17 year old catcher that had a 470 OPS in high A For like nine getting, games For yeah. nine games He caught five of the nine He's getting the bump to double um, In the words of Taylor Twelman uh, The soccer great What are we doing? Yeah. What are we doing? Um That was really weird. I like what else the Padres did. Robbie Snelling to double A. That makes sense. Martorella to double A made a lot of sense. sense. Uh, Dylan (laughs) Head off the complex made sense. Mm -hmm. And then we've got this 17 year old catcher that's going up to double A when he frankly shouldn't be. So, yeah, um, that was so idiotic, man.
0: I, I look, I, I hope uh, there's a specific kind of all the same things we said about Fort Wayne. I hope that's the case with with double A. What is it? What is it? San Antonio? San Antonio. Yeah, I I, I hope maybe that's the case with San Antonio. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I guess coaching, whatever, it maybe it, it's going to be a lot to handle 23, 24, 25 year old arms. It's going to be a lot to hit against 23, 24, 25 year old arms. So, I mean, Ethan Salas is special talent. It's a testament to the fact that like, they can even consider this as a testament to his makeup and, you know, how advanced he is as a player. Um, but it also is still outrageous, no matter how – if he's the most mature 17-year-old in the history of, of planet Earth – um, which you know, I think he'd be up there with like Tutankhamen or something like that. Like, yeah, you know, I would I- say I think uh, I think
1: Amanda Gorman wrote that poem at at Biden's inauguration. I think she's up there too. You know what mm-hmm. I'm talking about? Yeah.
0: But y- yeah, like it's it's still aggressive. Um, it's still aggressive. But you know, I- I'm excited for Snelling because again, pitchers a little bit different, especially three pitches for a strike already. Athletic arm like Snelling is. I love I love the the more aggressive push of him. And again, we're going to we're going to get into to some of these guys that recently were promoted in this episode. And um, a couple more, I would say only a couple more draft guys, um, which is fun. We're, we're, we're going to get to the top, top draft guys at the end. And then there's a few more of the later draft guys that we really like. And by later, I say like middle of the first round. Um, are there any other like big league promotions or, or anything that we're missing? Yeah. Oh, Kyle mean, Harrison Kyle
1: Harrison to the show. Yeah. Um, drew Rom to the show as mm-hmm. well. Uh, Mason, when do we talk about when going to the show? I don't know. I don't think <laughs> it's we all a
0: blur. Uh, yeah. Mason, when going to the show is absolutely awesome. You know, we can, we can start with that. Like, I know you're a big Mason Win guy. You're a big reason why he is so high on the list. Um, and I, I mean, this is somebody that I think has been aggressively pushed at every stop, reasonably aggressively pushed at every stop. And, you know, it's had this like acclamation process. We saw it last year and then just really hits his stride, and then we saw it again this year. And I think we'll see something similar in the big leagues, and I think that's why they brought him up. It might not be, you know, a beautiful stat line at the end of the year for him in the big leagues, but he has that acclimation process. He goes into the offseason, and I think he's going to come back next year ready to go, preserving that rookie eligibility. They can probably get the draft pick, too. It gives him a better shot to get the draft pick because just judging my history, Jack, like Mason wins somebody that continues to, like, learn on the fly really well uh, and adjust really well. So I think this is a great decision to bring him up with the Cardinals.
1: Yeah, and I think when we forecast the 2024 Rookie of the Year races in the National League, I think Mason Wynn should be seriously considered. Mm -hmm. I think the other two that should be considered um, are probably Paul Skeens and, what, Cruz, I guess.
0: (laughs) It'll be interesting to see.
1: And yeah. and I'm missing somebody for sure, but like I, I think Mason Wynn, if this guy has rookie eligibility next year, I, I think that this guy should be mm-hmm. one of the front runners for National League Rookie of the Year because yeah. he has that acclamation process. And mm-hmm. and dude, he is like I mean, he's tooled out beyond belief. And I think a lot of people that follow prospects know how tooled out he is. He doesn't look like O'Neill Cruz, he doesn't look like Ellie de la Cruz. I just made this point on the just baseball show. But what this guy does defensively is Ellie and O'Neal adjacent. It it is electrifying. And the fact that he's been hitting the ball as hard as he has and been lifting it as well as he has, uh, I I think – I don't want to say this guy's the limit for him, but I think he can be one of the better shortstops in baseball.
0: Yeah, I mean, the the only thing that's limiting is the power, uh, you know, to stop him from that, like, superstar potential. But the hit tool being way closer to above average to almost plus at at points that we've seen this year – And then again, I think the power is severely undersold. People talk about him like he's a 10 home run guy. I think there's a world where he can hit 20 um, as he continues to fill out. Real quick on Kyle Harrison, all of the reasons and and go, but you can go back and listen to the episode. It was the first one, 100 to to 81, where we break down Kyle Harrison, you know, and some of the concerns that I have there um, that we have there around the command the, the delivery is, is, is a lot, you know, uh, it's a reliever's delivery to a degree. And I think that's why we've seen some, some struggles there, but most, most notably, and most importantly, change in the slider shape, uh, fastball shape, you know, lost several inches of horizontal and the changeup has been unusable. He's thrown six changeups in his last six appearances period, because over the course of this year, he's only thrown it for a strike 40% of the time. So you're looking at a guy that's really fastball slider. I think he's tried to kind of mix a cutter in now. And that just shows me it's a guy that's kind of like in fight or flight because the changeup was a big part of what he was doing last year. I think what we're going to end up seeing is Kyle Harrison throwing 75, 80% fastballs. And he can succeed to a degree that way. But, you know, I'm interested to see how it goes. I hope I'm wrong. I hope he he dominates. Um, But I think this is a Giants team that's just kind of all hands on deck. They've been all year with Casey Schmidt with Marco Luciano, um, you know, now they're, they're doing it with Kyle Harrison, um, the Kate or not Kate Marlowe, the other guy that uh, Wade they just, Meckler. Wade Meckler, bro. They, they didn't even need to like add him to the 40 man for two more years. They add Meckler to the 40 man, obviously to bring him up. Now they're going to have even more of a crunch going into the off season. Like they're all hands on deck. So, uh, it should be interesting yeah. to see, but, um, you know, I support it. I'm glad he gets his clock going. And, uh, you know, I think if he's going to figure it out, it wasn't going to happen in triple. Might as well see if it can happen at the big league level.
1: For sure. Um, now one quick follow-up on Harrison and I guess, pitting him against another lefty in that organization, because they have two of the better left-handed pitching prospects in all of baseball. Uh, if you were starting an organization from scratch and you were given one of those left-handed pitching prospects, Kyle Harrison or Carson Wisenhunt, um, in, in an expansion draft type thing, mm. which one are you taking? God, that's
0: really tough. Yep. That, that's really tough. I, I want to say Harrison and that's the thing. The, the hesitation is all I needed to hear. Yeah. I mean, that's supposed to be a consensus top 100 or top left-handed pitching prospect in baseball. Yep. I'd probably take Harrison off talent and figure that, you know, we can adjust some things and, you know, Wiz and hunts, you know, th- there's, there's a maximum there. But yeah, it's a it's a great con it's a great con the fact that it's a conversation is pretty absurd yeah Um, and shows kind of where we're at but let's jump into it number sixty we got Kyle Teal catcher Boston Red Sox I I think there's no way anyone's gonna have him higher because I think the way he slipped in the draft may have put off people you know put off evaluators like hey like should we really have him in the top sixty. If he fell, you know, out of the top 10 and, and to what, number 14 to the Boston Red Sox. I can't believe this dude fell. I really can't. I, well, he did everything you'd want to see at UVA. Uh, I know it wasn't for three straight years, but, you know, we saw him perform steadily better in the sophomore year and then really broke out the junior year, improved defensively. Um, you know, there's the big thing for me with Teal is you look at his build. It's very wiry, like there's room for more strength. And he swings the crap out of that bat. Like it's controlled aggression. And he's been awesome to start his professional career. They signed him straight to high A. He has looked pretty good defensively. He's been gunning down runners. And also, I mean, just not swinging and missing. The approach has been great. Um, My question is how much power is there? But so far, you know, it seems like there's at least going to be average. Maybe you can get slightly above. And again, I think he can fill out. But between his ability to limit the run game, a left handed hitting catcher as athletic as he is with the field of hit that he has. I I mean, I I think a lot of teams are going to regret passing on him in the in the top 13 picks.
1: I think so, too. Um, And I think that what I see when I watched Kyle Taylor, Virginia, this spring was almost what a lot of people were dreaming on with Gabby Moreno. But Moreno, obviously the elevated hit tool like Moreno was probably a 70 hit guy. Mm -hmm. teal is you know 50 right now you've got a 60 future
0: yeah i think he'll be a plus hit tool guy by the time we get to next year
1: so plus hitting wiry catcher that's a underrated runner you've got a 50 run on him like that Mm -hmm. just screams moreno and moreno may have a little bit more defensive gift than kyle teal but um and and like listen moreno is far elevated there's a reason gabby moreno is a top 10 prospect in baseball but yeah i look at i look at teal and i saw a moreno starter kit
0: is that fair I think it's very fair. I think there's a lot of similarities there uh, in terms of plus hit, athleticism. I think Teal's going to be an above average defender too. So, I mean, there's from a pure tool standpoint, like it's funny, they look so different, but from a production and tool standpoint, I think you're getting something very similar. So I don't disagree at all. If you look at the first 10 games or so, it's too small of a sample to be looking at like, you know, overall contact rates but again like what else are we going to look at through the first mm-hmm. 10 games like you can only look at what you've got um he's barely swung and missed I, I don't think he's swung and missed at a breaking ball so far professionally if i'm not mistaken and then also right. you know is just kind of spraying the ball all over lifts the ball already you know pretty well I, again if he could just put on like five or ten pounds of, of muscle like he's he's skinny um I, I think you could you could see above average power here and then all of a sudden we're looking at a guy who, who could be not only fast-tracked, but one of the best catching prospects in baseball. I I think some teams – I think this was – people talk about Dylan Cruz being like overthought a little bit. I think there was more at hand there. I think with Kyle Teal, it was just point-blank teams overthought this one a little bit. And uh, you can say what you want about the Red Sox. You can say what you want about, you know, Heim Bloom. One thing he's done a pretty good job of over the last couple years is draft. And, you know, I know they were thrilled when Marcelo Meyer fell into their lap, and I think they were thrilled when Kyle Teal fell into their lap. 100%. We get 259, another draft guy um, and a guy that I, I don't know. Th- this seemed like the most like shoe in pick outside of the top five that like, you know, when we mocked it, I was just like, I, I, this just seems like a layup. Rhett Lauder to the, to the Cincinnati Reds. Like this just seemed like it was always going to happen. It seemed in- inevitable, right?
1: Yes. Um, I think what we looked at was, OK, the Cincinnati Reds are either going to go with Rhett Louder or Kyle Teal. And they opted for louder and listen, they just added their best pitching prospect in their organization. I think he already hops over Connor Phillips. You've got him already hopped over Connor flip uh, over Connor Phillips. And, you know, Chase Petty, while he has looked good, louder is just better, man. Yeah, we were jaw on the floor in that. What semi-final game between Skeens and Louder? That was one of the better non-professional baseball games of wow. recent memory, yeah. um, and, and I think that Louder totally proved his top ten pedigree there, which was freaking awesome.
0: Yeah, I was going to say I came away like as weird as it sounds because obviously Skeens was was better in that start because he's Paul Skeens. I came away from that start more impressed by Louder because you know I I, I knew I knew both of them were fantastic pitchers, but Paul Skeens is like. You know, was the dude, absolutely dominant. Rhett louder, you know, everyone's talking about, oh, like fastball quality. And, you know, how good is this stuff going to ultimately be? And he goes against this juggernaut lineup. And I, I was floored by the stuff. I, I thought it was, and you can see, I thought it was a pair of, of really solid secondaries that, you know, maybe in a vacuum, if you look at the shape, like just pure pitch data, maybe they're 55 grade pitches, but his ability to command them makes some 60s for me. That's the slider. That's the, that's the change up. I mean, he was spotting them and not just in that start, you look at the course of the season. I mean, he was all over the strike zone, 74% strike rate on his fast, on his slider over his last handful of starts over the course of the season, 72% strike rate on the slider, 65% strike rate on the changeup, 72% strike rate on the fastball. Like, That will play. He has the ability to sequence. His pitch ability is just so impressive. Catchers must have a field day working with him because you can go to any pitch in any count and you know that there's a really good chance that he's going to hit his spot. I have better than plus command for this guy. And again, if the fastball ends up being average, he hedges that because he's got the four seamer and he's got the two seam slash sink, which is again, great for a great American ballpark, but also just, Helps kind of hedge like, hey, I'm not going to get a ton of whiffs with my heater. I can also get ground balls, too. Um, I, I, I don't know. There, there's not much to to not like with Louder other than some of the rumors about his health. I do think it's interesting that he hasn't started yet at mm-hmm. all. Um, we haven't, but I, has Dolander thrown either? I don't think Dolan strong. Yeah. So, you know, I, I wouldn't speculate too much there. Um, also louder, like they were very much managing his workload at Lake forest because that's what they do. It wasn't louder, you know, unique. Um, but I just, I feel like this is as safe of an arm as you're going to pick up. I, I think he can fly through the minor leagues. They don't need to waste many bullets here. And I think he could be a competitive pitcher for them. I have a 2025 ETA, but honestly I I could see him up at some point next year.
1: Yeah. I, great point that you just made about his two-seam type sink run, like playing well at Great American Ballpark. Look who the better of the two young pitchers is between Lodolo and Green. Like, I, I just mm-hmm. think Lodolo is better than Hunter yeah. Green. Yeah. And let ballpark has something to do with that. If they were throwing in Detroit, it might be a different story, but they're throwing 100%. in Cincinnati. And I, I do think that, you know, at points, you have to draft for your situation. And I think that the Reds – uh, picked a great arm for their situation. I think the Rockies have done it recently with Dolander and Gabriel Hughes last year in the first yep. round. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've been dealt a crappy hand. How do yeah. you deal with it? And I think the reds have have dealt with it pretty
0: well. A hundred percent. We get to number 58 here uh, and a left-handed pitching prospect too, was just promoted to double. Um, and, and that'll probably adjust the ETA to 2025. So um, Robbie Snelling, Left-handed pitching prospect, San Diego Padres. This is a guy that I would be a hundred percent fine aggressively pushing. Right, like this is this makes all the sense in the world. We just talked about it with Walker Bueller on you know the Just Baseball Show about you know aggressive assignments and pushing guys and you know how how different it is for pitchers because pitchers you can look at a pitch shape and say, Hey, like this this exact pitch profile plays against you know Double AA, A, Triple A, Big League competition. You can't look at contact rates and say, oh, yeah, yeah, that'll play, you know, against double like because you don't know if those contact rates will sustain. You can't look at exit velocities and say, hey, uh, you know, this will sustain. The only thing that really translate and it still doesn't totally translate is like chase rates. And those will be elevated if the stuff is better and you're not used to recognizing that. So totally different. Don't want to digress too far there. I love this push of Robbie Snelling because I think he's downright earned it, Jack. I mean. i'm sure you have the numbers queued up he's been fantastic uh overall this season i mean he's just been a pretty much a walking quality start he's already stretched out too which is interesting like he's thrown a lot of pitches in these starts 19 years old fastball sits 93 uh can get up to a four or five you know i I think he's touched a seven this year but it's it's relatively rare um curveball feel is phenomenal I mean, he can throw it in any count. He can manipulate it to be a little bit more, you know, have a little bit more depth, to be a little bit harder uh, in the low 80s. And then the changeup's a work in progress, but, you know, I-, I think it's better than most of the high school arms that we say their changeup is a work in progress. Um, and and it's it's been used a little bit. I think this is where it's going to be more challenging for him, you know, and he'll probably need it a little bit more. Uh, and I'm interested to see how that changeup develops. But the fastball and curveball, man, th- th- those are ready for double A. So I, I know Kate Horton is probably your leader in the clubhouse for minor league pitcher
1: of the year this year, but if you wouldn't mind me making the case for Robbie Snelling, this guy had a sub two, yes, a one five seven ERA and eleven starts in Lake Elsinore. That doesn't happen in Lake Elsinore. That's inland California. It's PCL adjacent, and this guy had a one five seven. He was better than the level. He goes to Fort Wayne for seven starts. He has a two three. So you combine his numbers over 86 and a third. He's got a 188 ERA, 10 and a half K's per nine, two and a half walks per nine. And oh, by the way, he's faced 343 hitters. Do you know how many home runs he's given up? One. Three. <laughs> That's, That's less crazy. than one percent. Three of three hundred and forty three batters faced. That's insane. Lake Elsinore for 11 starts. So the thing about Snelling, like, yes, he's physically advanced. Um, Yes, he's got command. My thing here is like, okay, you push guys levels. Um, I'm with you. Pitchers, like, you can see pitch data and all that, and you can say, okay, we've seen guys perform well at the major league level with Mm -hmm. this type of pitch data. Like, guys in the top 100 – Robbie Snelling can go get outs. The best version of Robbie Snelling can go get outs in the major leagues right now. But the thing that separates, you know, these guys, Snelling is 19 years old um, versus a major league pitcher is the mental makeup, right? It's do I have the confidence to go do it? Um, and, And I think that is the big separator and Snelling throws like he's got confidence. So I think that guy can get outs anywhere right now.
0: He throws like a guy that was a power five uh you know caliber linebacker like he's not he's not scared of you, man. he goes I,
1: after you and and he I goes, think football mentality watch. I think football mentality is a little overblown, but this guy totally has
0: like a football like I'm going to beat you physically mm-hmm. right yeah and he goes right at guys and and it's really fun and what I like is like you know I was watching the last start and you know he, he's going you know first pitch breaking ball and then Next pitch right off of that is a fastball that, you know, just jumps after seeing that curveball kind of breaking downwards. And, you know, again, and the fastball is only only quote unquote, you know, 93 to to 94. But it looks like it gets on guys so much quicker. He gets good extension for a guy that's, you know, he's he's tall and long, but he's not like huge. He's six three. But it just gets on you quick. It's around 18 to 19 inches of IVB, so it jumps a little bit. With the curveball tunneling off of that, I really think that's the the big factor here is those two pitches tunnel off of each other really well, which, again, takes some of the pressure off of the third pitch. If the changeup can even be average, I think he's in really good shape because the way that the fastball tunnels off of the curveball and the feel for the curveball and the way he hides the baseball. But, yeah, it looks like it really gets in on hitters quickly, and there's a lot of uncomfortable swings Snelling, I think, is is one of the safer, you know, high school arms you're going to find and, and one of the safer pitching prospects we have right now uh, at 19 years old, which says a lot about him and uh, kind of the state of, of volatility with pitching prospects. But, um, you know, the fact that he's thrown 90 pitches plus in the last or 89 pitches plus in the last three outings, uh, that kind of shows you like if, for the pitcher of the year case, like in the minor leagues, He's not being babied. He's he's no. being he's being stretched out and 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 thrown into the fire, which which is fun for sure. We get to a guy. Oh, there's the other guy that we forgot to mention in the promotions. Oh, um, yeah. yeah, Noel V. Marte. Uh, Noel V. Marte just got promoted. Cincinnati Reds. Uh, it's gonna be a good challenge for him. Uh, I do think that he can help them offensively uh, in spurts. And they're gonna put him in positions to succeed. Third base prospect to. I mean, look—it's one of those guys that you feel like he's not doing as well as he's doing when you watch, uh, and then you look at the stat line on the year, and you're like, this guy just continues to produce. Like he produced last year, he produced the year before that, and he's he's producing this year. Uh, there's there's a lot of frustration because it's like two zero count, <laughs> there'll be a change up off the plate away, and he rolls over, and you're like, ugh. But again, you look at this the stat line, and he's productive because he doesn't miss mistakes. He has an unbelievable feel to hit for a guy as powerful as he is, uh, and and really, it's just the approach that undermines it. Uh, I, I think just on pure bat-to-ball skills, he could be a well above average hitter, but the approach is just an issue. Um, and and it's beyond the approach; it's the approach that seeps into the swing, uh, the the desire to yank, you know, results in, in a pull off, and it results in you know. I think also expanding the zone. The thing is, is when he's right, when he's folk like when he's focused in and he's using the whole field there's special offensive potential here. I mean, it's plus power above average hit potential. And you know, you put that in great American ballpark. This guy could be a monster. I think you got to take the good with the bad. They're going to do that right now, but it's worth the spark plug that he might be able to provide. Um, But he he might just be one of those guys that frustrates you until he figures it out or just always frustrates you.
1: Yeah, he is. uh, He's a frustrating watch for sure. And this guy, he's, he's, when I've seen him, he's really struggled at third base. Um, I don't know if he's like big league ready at third base. And this guy needed to move off of shortstop last year. Uh, righty righty sliders are going to give me nightmares in, in that matchup with Noel V. Marte. Like, I just don't know if he can handle that. It's not bias as bad, but it's no. approaching that level. Um, we're like, I, I don't know. It really concerns me pitches outside. He loves extending his hands and and trying to go fish some things out. But yeah, Yeah. man, like when this guy's going, right, it's, it's a different
0: level of electric. And that's the thing. And, you know, this is another one of those examples where it's like, okay, like, (laughs) I think they've been struggling to get through to him on the approach and, and on, on the ability to kind of, you know, not try to get out and around everything maybe working with with some guys at the big league level and and being involved there and working with big league hitting coaches and, and, I don't know, just being with guys that have been swinging it pretty well up there, maybe something can click for him because, again, like you're, he's just going to sit in AAA. He's going to frustrate you a couple of times a game. He's going to hit some bombs. He's going to hit the ball hard. He's not going to strike out that much, and he's going to produce, and he's not going to be forced to have to like really change anything. Uh, I think at the big leagues, it's fight or flight mode. He's going to have to figure some things out. And I think this is the perfect kind of challenge for him. Either spark plugs your team or it's kind of this shake of like, hey, this is what you're going to have to be able to handle. So, you know, work on some things here. So I think it's a good thing for Marte long term. And, you know, if it all clicks for him, he can be really, really special. Yep. Number 56 this is guy this is becoming one of my favorite guys in minor league baseball. I, I, I think he's going to be a monster. Xavier Isaac, first base prospect Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, this guy's gonna be a monster. I, it's just that simple. first round pick in 2022, first baseman, left-handed hitter, big dude, 64 240. It quickly becoming one of my favorite hitters to watch um, because it's a combination of at 19 years old, a combination of monstrous power and adjustability that is extremely impressive. I've seen I've seen this guy take some B swings, maybe even C swings, where he's hitting the ball out of there. Like it, it, you know, he's on his front foot, fooled, and he's crushing one pull side. He's tied up, and he somehow stays in, like short to the ball and fights it over the wall in right field. And then he gets these A swings off sometimes, and it's like holy crap percent percentile exit velocity of 107 contact rates are are average and the chase rate is low um this dude as long as he can continue to to improve upon his ability to recognize spin and 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 hit spin um uh, which he's 19 um I, th- he could be an offensive monster he's a huge human being that's the only thing i have to add like 6'4
1: 240 but he somehow looks bigger than that like yeah. This was the kid that was taken that was the big high school kid, like very Tristan Casas, but yes. lesser known than Tristan Casas. We was like, wow, you're just a mammoth human being for 18 years old. I can't wait to see what you look like when you're a full-blown adult. And uh, it looks like there's going to be 70 power when he's a full-blown adult.
0: Yep. Uh, it seems like it. Uh, we got a max of 113 already. Again, in a on, 90 percentile man. of 107. And it's all fields. That's the impressive thing too. I, it's such an advanced swing. The way he's able to kind of like control his body for such a big kid. Uh, there's some home runs the other way. I promise you. I've, I think I've tweeted almost every single one of his home runs. So if you just want to like search at arm late and eight and then Isaac, you'll find probably a handful of videos of him just going deep like to all fields. Pull side. It's it's silly. Um, but yeah, he can hit the ball the other way real hard. And he's a sneaky, decent athlete. I think he can be a fine defender at first base eventually. Um, but, yeah, it's all about the bat here, and I think it's going to be a damn good one. Uh, and I think it's part of the reason you you look at the organizational depth. I think it was mostly because you have Caminero and you have Austin Shenton doing what he's doing up there. And you have you know a handful of other guys that are really interesting. Uh, but I think Xavier Isaac's performance already made the Rays a little bit more OK with parting with a Kyle Manzardo to go get a pitching process or pitching. Jeez, uh, an arm with control like Aaron Savali. I'm just in prospects mode mentally. Uh, yeah. But to get an arm with control like Aaron Savali, I think you know for them that was a no brainer. And you know, thank goodness they did it. Now, as as we see their arms continue to to kind of go down, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, and I think that what you see the contingency or you see the succession plan for Yandi Diaz. So Diaz is going to be there with Aranda as the backup right now. Aranda is the understudy. Um, but when Xavier Isaac is ready. That's kind of when Yandy Diaz's contract is going to be up in Tampa.
0: And that's why the Rays are so annoying because it's like every time the guy moves on and they don't pay him, then there's another guy like just waiting in the wings and they regenerate. Yeah. And it's like, boom, they're they're always in a good spot. Number 55. And this is like the pitching version of what we were talking about, where no matter where you rank him, you will be wrong. It's Jacob Mizerowski, right-handed pitching prospect to Milwaukee Brewers, who – I think I think I've seen people lower just because of you know, the perceived risk and, the uh, you know, the lack of command and, and all that good stuff. But I've also seen people willing to throw him super, super, super high, which I, I call I told you that. Right. I told you I'm like after this futures game, watch, watch how much he's going to fly up list. And that's yeah. exactly what I mean. we've been talking about this guy since the beginning of the season where like there was a couple of starts. that we saw and it was like, whoa, what the hell is this? And now, obviously, you know it's become very uh, popular. uh, What kind of stuff this guy has, and understandably so. You get to throw on the big stage. We knew Pitching Ninja was going to pick that up, and people were going to get excited. But there's a little bit more to pitching than just the stuff, right? Like, really, there's 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 an eighty grade fastball potentially. There's a seventy grade sweeping curveball. It's it's really closer to a sweeper and a plus cutter, but that might not matter if the command's 35 and that's what we're kind of waiting to see here is does this six foot seven right-hander control figure out a way to control his limbs enough to have average command he has yeah. average command i think it's game
1: over bro you're so lame pitching is all about stuff you don't need command when this <laughs> when this is gross come on yeah. um in Biloxi, five starts. He's met his level, by the way. Like, he, he got better in high A than he was in low A, but this guy's met his level in double, 21 innings, um, try 36 punch outs. It's 15 and a half per nine, but he's walking seven guys per nine. Yeah. Um. You know, 17 hits against him. Two guys have taken him deep. D- double's a weird spot, man. And like, we'll, we'll see what he's doing here, but the command is just like, No bueno at all. He's walking six guys per nine when you combine his numbers across all three levels that he's been at so far this year. But you keep shoving him up because he's punching out 15 guys per nine. Like I I don't know. This is – I guess there's a bunch of reliever risk here, but I don't want to think about it because he's so young and he's already in double A. He's at 71 in the third innings right now. He's probably going to get to about 90 this year.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: We'll see what next year looks like next year is a big one for me, because if this guy is good and double get to triple, I'm like, OK, this is maybe the best pitching prospect in all the baseball. But if he has a high fours, low fives again, and he's walking six guys per nine and double, I'm like, OK, you know, let's start talking about the reliever risk here.
0: Yeah. You know, it's kind of like the same Kyle Harrison type conversation, but in a different way, because, again, there's like. There's a little bit more to the arsenal here. There's even a change-up that he he mixes in that's interesting. He is coming off probably his best – I think his best professional start, which is interesting Um, and and a good sign. I mean, he just went six – six innings his last start out of shutout ball, one hit, three walks, 12 Ks. Sure. My problem is this. It's not just the, the walks. He's also drilling dudes, which is one scary when you're up to 102. But like in his last 5 games, guess how many hit by pitch? 16 walks, guess how many hit by pitch? Uh like 5, right? 5 or 6? 11. That's a lot. <laughs> so like that's I, I never look at hit by pitch for a pitcher because like it's just not going to happen enough to be a factor. But like that his hit by pitch rate might be higher than Robbie Snellings walk rate. Yeah. I'm almost positive it's higher than Robbie Snelling's walk rate. Okay, eleven hit by and pitch. Two, in. two. Th- how many? You want the like the, the actual numbers to like actually do this? Oh no, here we go. Um, yeah, eighteen and seventy-one in the third.
1: Um, all right, so let's do eighteen divided you do
0: by, it by batters face though technically,
1: but you can do you can do hit by pitch per per nine. Oh, I was doing per nine. Yeah, hit by. Yeah, pitch that's fine. Nine. That plays. That plays. Times nine. He is two point two seven hit by pitch per nine. Okay. And then Robbie Snelling, I think he's around 25 walks per night.
0: <laughs> that's pretty close. It's really close. <laughs> that's really close. That's so scary. Um but yeah, I mean like that's the other side of it. When you're when you're hitting that many guys, you got to kind of factor that in with the free passes, but um last start looked really good. Again, to get into the, the stuff that like the cutters 92 to 94 and it's a joke like you're not hitting that if it's around the zone. Um, the fastball when it's elevated is unhittable. When it's, you know, down, i have been talking to hitters who, who faced him. Is said like the fastball when it's down, like that you feel like that's your shot, like that's your shot. And, and in that's when he gives up the home runs or, or, or hard contact is the when he tugs the fastball down, hitters feel like they can see that from that high release point, like it just kind of comes down right into the barrel. But when it yeah. stays up, it's really tough, especially with the cutter and the sweeper off of it. So, um, yeah, again, if it all clicks for him, he's, he's I don't even know if we've seen anything like him like it's 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 some crazy stuff yep we get to ironically as we were just talking about Kyle Manzardo and here is Kyle Manzardo Cleveland Guardians first base prospect um he's on like a he's finishing up a rehab assignment right now and then should get rolling in in triple a with the Guardians uh we we've talked a lot about Manzardo so we don't have to rehash too much we talked about him on the um on the trades episode as well yeah, uh, this is a guy that to me, you know, one of the safest offensive profiles in the minor leagues. Uh, the the offensive output's a little diminished this year, and I think part of that was this focus to add more power, which is understandable for a first baseman. Yes, he hit 22 home runs, but look how many of those came in high A, and then also you know you look at the EVs and, and the batted ball data, and it was like, okay, how much more power is in here? So he comes out this year, and his 90th percentile exit velocity jumps by two ticks. And most notably, his ground ball rate just absolutely gets slashed, uh, which was already low, it gets slashed by another 10%. I think he has one of the highest fly ball rates in, in the minor leagues uh, and in AAA, definitely the lowest ground ball rate are up there. As a result, I think it took away a little bit of that feel to hit because that, that, that's the calling card, right? It's, it's the plus to borderline plus plus hit tool. Yeah. The raw power is above average at best. So there's this, like, balance he has to strike of, yes, I do want to tap into more power, um, but I don't want to hit 240. I don't want to have a 267 Babbitt. And that's what he's got right now because the launch angle is straight upwards, and this is a guy that has a phenomenal field to hit and can shoot the ball the other way for a base hit, um, who can spoil pitches. And, like, I think he kind of got away from that, trying to be this power hitting first baseman a little bit. And I think there's going to be this middle ground that he will find, Uh, that that will be 20 home runs and hitting for average. And I think that's ultimately what he's trying to settle in on here. I think the best
1: version of Manzardo, because he probably came into this year thinking, okay, I'm going to hit 30, but I'll hit 260. I don't think 260 and 30 is the best option for Manzardo. I think 320 is the best option for Manzardo. And, And that is a guy that. Is I mean, like not seen anywhere close to as often as the two sixty for thirty guy.
0: Yeah, it's Josh Naylor this year, right? Like you look at Josh Naylor this year; he's played ninety six games. He's three hundred six, three forty six, five hundred slash line with fifteen homers. Uh, I think that's what you dream on with Menzardo is something that looks like that. And again, like this is I like seeing a hitter trying to do things to you know maximize his ceiling and sometimes you got to go all the way to this feel to kind of get back to the middle um the get Lots away approach. from you know if you have a feel all the way to the left and a feel all the way to the right um sometimes getting to that feel all the way to the right is what helps get you to the middle where you always wanted to be um and I know that's very like vague but it, that's the best way I can describe it like it's all about like kind of mentality feels and so many different things for these hitters and I mean, he's tapped into another level of pull side power, though, man, like he's popped to one twelve. Yeah. And, you know, when I look at that, I'm like, OK, it's in there. That's good to, to know. Now, just leverage your counts 2-0. get that one twelve swing off, but yep. don't get that one twelve swing off like all you don't, the time. You don't need to. It's OK to shoot one the other way for a base hit. And I, I think he's finding that balance. And I think, you know, that's why the Guardians love him. Right. If he was the sell out for power guy, you know, they're not asking for him in this deal. Uh, so, you know, I think the Guardians are also going to kind of push him to to go back to a little bit more of, of who he was last year uh, with that added power. Because it's not just because he's swinging harder. He added strength. And I think it'll all kind of come together to be a really nice profile offensively. No doubt. We get to 53 Gavin Stone. Gavin Stone is a guy that, you know, I think we were kind of hoping would be graduated by now. Technically is not uh, and is on a really nice stretch in AAA, which is is really important here with the Dodgers, because I think he can he can help them. Um, you know, we're waiting to see when Walker Bueller will come back and, and how he can help them. But Gavin Stone, you know, he kind of ditched this like bigger slider for this harder cutter in the low 90s. And it's finally given him like a third pitch that he can trust, uh, because we knew the changeup. You know, you know that's a that's a diabolical pitch, Jack. I mean, that's one of our favorite. I I there, there was a point in time where I used to just unsolicited text you like Gavin Stone changeups, like they're, yeah. they, just because they're like screwballs, they're they're unbelievable. Fastball was down a tick to start the year, now it's back to ninety five, and that's a really good sign too. Um, you know, but the fastball is never going to be this like seventy grade heater because it's know a little bit flat so he needed this third look he finds this low 90s cutter man and i mean i don't know if you have it queued up he's pitching in the pcl so the era may be slightly inflated but i would i just kind of want to look more at the whiff numbers it, he's he's been really good over the last three four starts
1: yeah um on the year 19 starts in the pcl he's got a 5-1 era 91 and two-thirds uh 11 homers against him 52 runs and 91 and two-thirds so um stone like yeah, you know, five one one take it with a grain of salt because it's in the PCL. But across, you know, high A, double and triple last year, this guy had a one four eight, So yeah. he, he was so clearly the best pitcher in minor league baseball. The thing that gets me is I have no idea where his confidence level is. 28 hits in 12 big league innings. 28 hits.
0: That's a yeah. massacre. Because th- what happened is you had this like slightly subdued fastball. You have the unbelievable changeup. Scouting report was he's got one pitch probably, and so that you know everyone was shutting anything down that started at the knees. Okay, shut that changeup down, and now they're ambushing the fastball. Now he's got this cutter; it gives him a different look. But to your point, but I, dude, do like, stif- I do think it's I do think it's stifled his confidence a little bit because even in these last four starts and trips, he's got a two five seven, but he's walked thirteen in twenty one innings. I've never seen him walk guys like that. So maybe he's nibbling a little bit. Maybe it's getting used to the cutter. I don't know. But there's so there's some interesting like I don't know. I, I want to see him back at the big leagues and, and see how he does this time around. But seems like he's still working through it all and trying to figure it all out. And I think you could justify having him a little bit lower on this list. For sure. Uh, I this was another one where it was like it was kind of hard to figure out, but I like the trend that I saw. I liked you know with the cutter being involved here. <laughs> I think there's just a really good chance at a big league three or four. But I mean, you know, let me let me turn the tables on you. Would you rather have Gavin Stone or Jacob Mizorowski? Oh, man, I think I'd rather have Mizorowski. Yeah, I, I you know, and, and they're stacked. So it's like you can go one way or another. But you know, Stone's yeah. 24, Mizorowski's younger, um, but Stone has seemed durable. It, it's interesting. Um, he's he's there's just a tough guy to rank on the other side of things. Uh, yeah. But if it all looks for him He could be a really consistent And solid starter
1: 102 from a guy that is a starting pitcher Is just like so rare I have it's to too go for a guy from on. 102
0: yeah. yeah, 100% I'm with you on that 52 Gabriel Gonzalez, we talked about him When we broke down the Mariner system a few episodes ago um, mm-hmm. Outfielder Who, I mean There's few guys that have enjoyed more prospect Helium I think this year Jack Than Gabriel Gonzalez, it's you know, for a 19 year old 19-year-old to kind of really hit his stride the way he has, both in just coming out hot and low A, and then just coming out extremely hot and high. A. He's come down to earth a little bit. Um, and I think that was natural given that his approach is just extremely aggressive. Yeah. But I think there's a borderline plus field to hit here, and I think he'll develop into a plus hitter once he cuts down on the chase. The power like EV wise is slightly above average at best, but like he gets into it really well, which is weird because he he posts above average ground ball rates but when he hits it in the air it just it goes. He's just backspins balls like he's just one of those guys that's always I think always going to overperform the data and man he's just he's just got a knack for hitting. It's just that simple and at 19 years old to do what he's doing I, I think there's a lot to like here uh, with, with this Mariners prospect and he's got a lot of momentum building.
1: Yeah, numbers in high A are a little weird. He's hitting a buck 88, but he's got 7 homers in 26 games. So like the power's been there, but that 348 clip in Low A is not there at all, which is just so odd. Like the power is way up, the the bat to ball is way down. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just kind of bizarre what's happening from Low A to High A because it's almost the antithesis of who he was in Low A.
0: He also went nuclear when he first got to Hiya, and yeah, then he's ice cold. Lot, yeah, last fifteen games: one twenty-three, one eighty-six, one eighty-five. Yeah. Um, and again, that, that, my concern was the the approach. And you got a thirty-five percent chase rate in that span. He's nineteen years old, um, and and again, I still think just what he's done already this year has given him so much helium. And and he's going to learn. And this is another one of those examples: like, hey, we're going to challenge you, and you're going to see that you know, some of the shortcomings in your approach you know can get exposed against better pitching and that's exactly what's happening so um i think you know he'll get there and the the field ahead is just too hard to teach Uh, the the game power is impressive given that he's not you know lighting balls up ev wise and there's a lot to there's a lot to to dream on here also pretty good defender in a corner um big 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 arm which which is fun too so Uh, definitely a guy to watch, see how he finishes the season, but he's, he's going through it as a 19 year old in high A over the last 15. And I'm sure the scouting report says, let him get himself out. He swings a lot and we'll have to adjust from that. Next up another Mariner. We got the Mariner stack here. It's Harry Ford and Harry Ford is the opposite side of the coin. In terms of approach, this dude never swings. (laughs) Um, And I love it. 14% chase rate on the season a little bit more whiff than you'd like to see. Uh, it's not egregious or anything, and, and that's why you don't see a high strikeout rate. But in terms of the contact rates, they're, they're kind of average, maybe slightly below. Uh, but there's a dude that hits them on the air pretty consistently. Exit velocities are basically right on par with average. And, and the approach is elite. And you know that's helped him be extremely consistent professionally, get on base at an extremely high clip, and continue to develop defensively.
1: The old twenty-year-old catcher that has twenty-three stolen bases and is hitting two fifty-five with a four fifteen OBP, he's walked ninety-three times in one hundred and five games. Nobody does that. Nobody does that when they're twenty years old in high A.
0: Yeah, I mean that—that's a testament to the fourteen percent chase rate, the swing decisions, and uh, again, like he, he gets into it a little bit more than you'd expect for a guy of his size. He's—he's he's small. He had a sweet uh, and- walk-off homer the other day. Yeah, 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 I, dude. He's fun. He's fun. how many bags does he have? Twenty-three. He's twenty-three for thirty-one. Okay, it could be a little bit more efficient, but I love it. Like that's fun. Um, it's just a fun profile. I I think if he can develop a little bit more defensively, which he, he continuously has gotten better and better, you got a really interesting and fun catcher here. Even if the power doesn't totally come together, you know he's going to walk. You know that he's you know at least going to to hit a little bit. And, you know, he can fly and and at least sneak out, you know, a, a fair amount of home runs with the ability to hit the ball in the air. He's, he's just a really unique and fun profile. Yep. We get to number 50, Noah Schultz, left-handed pitching prospect with the Chicago White Sox. And unfortunately, I think I just saw a report that he went down with a shoulder impingement. Yes. Uh, that, you know, that could – be relatively minor you know impingement kind of just means hey discomfort Yeah, you know, it could be a small little tweak uh, It could also be something that's that's worse so we're off to monitor and see here but in terms of noah schultz the pitcher this is another guy who's just had major helium this year in the white Sox organization as a six nine lefty throws way more strikes than i think anybody would have anticipated with really good stuff i mean he's just overpowered guys at the lower levels and um to pound the strikes on the way he has as a six nine lefty, he's been pretty cool to see
1: Schultz has been flat out awesome. And I'm just going to run you through the numbers here. In 10 starts with low Canapolis, 27 innings, 17 hits, four wow. earned runs, 38 strikeouts, six walks. That's 13 Ks per nine. That's two flat walks per nine. Um, now, qualitatively, watch him, watch the delivery, go watch it, go pull up a YouTube video and tell me you don't see a little sale in there. Like, yeah. I think that's what White Sox fans are dreaming on because this is a guy that controls that long-limbed body so ridiculously well, and you've got that command. Sale didn't have that command coming up, but Sale had that left side. You've got no idea where it's coming from until it's coming at you, and I think that's a lot of what Schultz has.
0: Sale also didn't throw nearly this hard at age 20, um, yeah. which could be a good and a bad thing. Um, Schultz sitting 95 this year. It was down slightly in his last outing, which I think kind of tipped, tipped him off about you know what was going on. Slider is, is disgusting. It's plus plus. And then there's already a little bit of a feel for a change, which floored me. And then we've only seen him throw around 30 this year, like 30 change-ups, which is, you know, like a handful, a start. But there's been some good ones in there. And that was shocking for me for 6'9", high school lefty to have this feel for the change-up too. I think it's there's potential for plus plus fastball, plus plus slider, and, and an average to above average change-up from that release point. See you later. Uh, it could be really fun. So hopefully he's healthy. Hopefully he's okay. Um, and I, I'd imagine this is probably the last time we see him this year. Uh, m- maybe I would think so. Depending there, on on the no prognosis. Yeah. yeah. Depending on the prognosis, maybe he could go throw a few innings in the fall league if they want to play it safe and not pitch him the rest of this year, and then and then do that. Or you know we'll just see him next year. But I think he's already shown enough to to be considered one of the best left handed pitching prospects in in baseball, and one of the best pitching prospects in baseball in terms of upside. I think so too. We get to 49. Luis on Acuna, New Mets prospect. How about some some Mets on this list? Which you know, we didn't have many in, in previous years, but that's what happens when you're sellers and you are also buyers through money. You're buying prospects. They bought Acuna. And I love it. I love it. You know, because I think this this is a guy that instantly becomes one of, if not, you know, their their best prospect uh, d- depending on who you graduate and um it's just been fun to watch this guy develop it's it's been really impressive to see him you know develop as a hitter develop as as a fielder turn into one of the best base stealers in in, in professional baseball a- at 21 years old it's far different from his brother you know it's not going to be 40 homers it's not a multiple 80 grade tools but i see above average hit i see above average raw power I see plus speed, and I see a plus glove, and that's a fun player and a good player, and the kind of guy that like I think every system wants,
1: and you know, clearly the Mets did. An all-around safe player, like they, they've got so much volatility in New York, like such as the burden of being the New York Mets. Um, I, I think McNeil, that's already proven to be like a bad extension, <laughs> like, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, you know, like. Who's to say Acuna can't be your second baseman of the future? Oh, hey, my God. Mind. He'd be one of the best
0: defenders in the sport.
1: So, uh, come on. Like, let's let's do this. You know what I mean? Like, let's yeah. make him the second baseman of the future. And you pair that middle infield tandem of Acuna and Lindor, and you've got some magic up the middle. There's
0: some, like, Nico Horner adjacency there, if you put him at at, at second base. Dude, it's Horner not
1: and Swanson is must-see, and, and yeah. Lindor and Acuna would be even more must-see. <sighs> Lindor and Acuna
0: would be, oh, my gosh defensively would be insanity insanity the two things that i really wanted to hit on really quick is acuna had a bit of a pushy swing which you know we talk about like you know firing the barrel kind of like firing your hands forward um and how that can make you kind of feel like velocity gets in on you instead of kind of snapping the barrel back and um that's something that like acuna you know with the setup he has the same setup as his brother it's, it's, a, it's kind of synonymous with like holding the back hip, right? And staying back on the baseball and, and hitting from there. If you're moving forward, you're moving towards a baseball that's coming at you 95 miles an hour. You're giving yourself less time. You're crowding yourself. And, and he crowded himself because it's really hard from that hands out set up the way they set up, you know, both him and his brother, Ronald. Like it's hard to stay back. And Ronald has perfected that. But Ronald struggled with that off of the ACL tear. And you saw what happened last year. Luis Angel has really figured out kind of how to hold the back hip a little bit better, how to stay back and, and, and kind of how to fire off of the back leg a bit better. And, yeah. and you're seeing that. And I think the biggest example of that is his OPS last year against fastballs 94 plus was 599. His OPS at the time of the write-up against fastballs 94 plus this year, 763. Um, hmm. and, and it's gotten better and better and better, as has his ability to hit breaking balls, as has his exit velocities as has his spray charts of just using the whole field. So uh, instead of kind of pushing forward and being heavy on the front foot, he's staying back better. He's giving himself more time, and I think it's resulted in more power, better swing decisions, and the ability to hit velocity better. So I'm excited about Luis on Acuna. How many stolen bases does he have, Jack? Ooh, a lot. Um, let me pull up the exact number. Luis. And we'll move to 48. Yeah,
1: Luis on so far this year, he is fifty for fifty seven in the stolen base department.
0: Fifty for fifty seven. And he's eight for
1: ten with the Mets, with the and Rumble
0: ponies, sorry. Yeah, ninetieth percentile legs velocity of one oh three five. I do think that there's above average power here as he continues to, you know, try to lift the ball a bit more.
1: But Aram, he's hitting two oh nine in seventeen games with the Rumble ponies. He sucks I think
0: people really underestimate even when it's the same level. I know you're joking, but people people would always underestimate like what a trade kind of does for a hitter, like the the or for a player, period. Like the game plans are different, the coaching is different, the situation is different, the pressure is different. Like it takes a little bit of time. Well, also
1: and no offense to the fine people of Binghamton, New York, but Frisco, Texas, and Binghamton,
0: New York, they are not the same. And the ball doesn't fly the same either. Um, <laughs> yeah. I can tell you that. Yeah. Uh, number 48, Tink Hentz, right handed pitching prospect with the St. Louis Cardinals. They don't come more athletic or electric than Tink Hentz. He's had a bit of a snag of late in double A, AA, and double A is an understandable challenge for him. Uh, and is that they've finally kind of taken the training wheels off a little bit in terms of letting him throw 75, 80 pitches. And um, yeah. that's been encouraging to see. Uh, what hasn't been encouraging to see is struggles to keep the ball in the yard, and you know it's it's hard to pitch in that league, man. It, it's hard to pitch there. He's 21 years old. He has the potential for two plus pitches, three above average that he, he usually throws for a strike. I think he's been you know struggling to to I I think trust his stuff to a degree so yeah. far this year uh, when he since being promoted to Double A, but I mean the the track record last year, you know what we saw from him last year was just comical. Yeah, I think he had a WHIP of 0.88. In low A and 52 and a thirds innings. Uh, but I think, you know, some of the some of the things that he's still working on in terms of feel for the change up consistency of the curveball fastball shape, like all those things have been challenged more in double A. Um, and I think this will be a good learning curve for him.
1: Yeah, and he's going to start next year in double. He might spend the entire year in double. He's not a guy that I think the Cardinals can fast track, like Jordan Walker, like Mason Wynn. They, the Cardinals are kind of the ones. The Cardinals, and I guess San Diego now are the ones that fast track their guys that they feel like can be, you know, some of the better prospects in the game. Tink Hens, you know, he was he was ama- he was generational in the low A. Eh? He was really good in high A. Eh? And now he's not that good in double A. So, like, let's see him get good in double A. And hence, maybe the first guy in a long time that we've seen prove it at every level in the minor leagues.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, With the way that they've handled him, you know, he's going to have to prove it at every level. Maybe he goes from double to the bigs. That might be the one exception. Mm -hmm. You know, because we've seen guys kind of go from the Texas League, uh, go straight to the bigs. But he's had to prove it low A, high A, fall league. And now, and now, double. And I think this is the first adversity we've seen him face. So, I, I think, what would you say, Jack? Would you say take the adversity with a grain of salt? It's probably a good thing. I mean, this guy's been mowing through every stop. Like it's yeah, okay to run into some trouble as a high school arm and double A now. He's twenty years old in double
1: A. Yes. Yeah. It's okay, yeah. like th- that's the thing, man. The people that are jumping out on Edgar Caro
0: should be jumping out on Tink Hens, but we didn't jump oh, out yeah. on
1: Edgar Caro. So, oh my
0: gosh, I even since we last talked about Edgar Caro, go look at his numbers. Since he's joined, though, we talk about trades being easy or hard for guys, it's been easy for him. I'll we'll get his numbers since since joining the White Sox org. It's a joke, yep. Um, fly through these last few here. Bone Nailer is a big leaguer, we're ranking. Um, when we do the end of season update. You know, it won't be as comprehensive. We'll just be talking about the guys who made it, you know, and and, and get added in because it won't be that many graduations. Bo Naylor is going to graduate. But, yeah. Jack, I think we're like – we're seeing it come together for Bo Naylor here on both sides of the ball. Like, Of course there's going to be this learning curve offensively. I'm not expecting him to, you know, immediately mash. Like he's kind of your classic guy that, you know, probably is going to take – Two three hundred plate appearances to finally get to the point where he's a league average hitter because he's a catcher as well. But he's graded out as an above average catcher. He's limited the running game well. I, the blocking and framing has been good. And you know what? He's walking. He's kept the strikeout rate at a palatable rate. I know that he's got a seventy six WRC plus and he's hitting one ninety eight through forty games. Yeah, I, I've come away encouraged. I don't know about you. I've come away encouraged. Like I don't see any massive red flags, and I'm seeing the player that we hoped he could be. S- slowly seeping through here. And and I think he's going to come out next year and, and look really good and, and be a, a really solid catcher for them.
1: I, he's a stupid, good athlete. And I wish he wasn't on this list in, in the way that I wish he graduated. I wish they went with him on opening day and gave him a full year, as opposed to the Zanino. And was it? Luke he wouldn't Nade? have been worse. He, he wouldn't have been, been worse. worse. No, who, what he's doing
0: right now is already better than what they had.
1: Who was the Guardian's backup? I'm blanking on this right now. It wasn't Luke Mailey, because Maley's in Cincinnati, right? It wasn't Leon, right? <laughs> um, it was who was it? Cam Gallagher. That was the uh-huh. backup. Like Zanino and Cam Gallagher, come on now. It's like you should have just gone with Naylor, but I watched Naylor dominate and triple, and now he's you know, like getting his feet wet. And the Guardians aren't competing for anything right now. So Um, Yeah, man, I I think this is huge for Bo Naylor, and I'm glad Uh to see that he's been graduated. And, I mean, he's made some plays defensively behind the play that I'm like, wow, you are a a different level athlete.
0: He's a positive war player right now, which is honestly rare for rookie catchers. Um, He's a a half-a-win player through 40 games. I know that's not the best thing in the world, but for a guy that's kind of gotten thrown in the fire midseason when they paid Zanino and people thought Zanino was going to be the guy, again, this production – in the beginning of the year, instead of the negative war they got from Gallagher and Zanino, and I'm not saying the Guardians would be in the playoffs, but they'd be in a better position with literally this. If it never changed, the 198, 281, 355 with the defense they're getting would have been better than what they got. And, and this is just the tip of the iceberg. I think he's going to be a, a 240 hitter with above average to plus power, good athleticism, and he's turned into a solid defensive catcher. It's, 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 it's fun to see. Cam Gallagher,
1: 127 plate appearances. What's his OPS plus?
0: Uh 18. Negative four. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Enough said. Like, geez. Uh, but, but but a rookie can't do that. You know, like, okay. <laughs> um 46. Recent friend of the program, Jackson Job. Yeah. Um, man, go listen to that interview. Uh if if you think uh the ranking is high. If you've been like underwhelmed for whatever reason by the stuff go listen to that interview and then you'll be even more amped up on the makeup, but there's no reason to be underwhelmed by the stuff. The stuff's been really good. Jackson yeah. job since coming back has been awesome. It was really important context talking to him as well. And, and this is what I had heard from some sources through. And I get to pull the sources card. What I heard through some sources like was that the job injury wasn't bad. Like even when it went down, it was like really good prognosis. They're just going to be very careful. And that's exactly what Job said on the uh, on the interview. He's like, just very aware and just like, "Hey, I'm I was the number two pick, uh, you know, or number three pick. Yeah, I'm uh, obviously I'm a high school arm, big risk. I get why they were careful with me, but I had a lot of time to work on shit. Basically, was what do you say? It's like I had a lot of time to be throwing full strength bullpens, and I think you're seeing that." I think you're seeing how developed he is. It was a little bit of a back inflammation issue, so it wasn't like it was an arm thing. And I mean, he's averaging 97 miles an hour with his fastball this year. The slider is is a tick up. Uh, that sweepy nasty pitch is sitting at 84. The changeup, dude, where did this go? It was so fun talking and check the live breakdown we did with him because that yeah. was so eye opening too about how much more confidence he has in this changeup now. He throws at 13% of the time, 73% strike rate on the changeup. And then he's mixing in this cutter that he just started throwing. And he talks about that as well. 71% strike rate on the cutter. So Jack, we've got a pitch breakdown here of 50% fastball, which is ticked up to 97 miles an hour, yeah. a slider, sweepy slider at, at 84 that he throws around 25% of the time, a changeup that he throws at 13% of the time at 86 and a cutter that he throws 12% of the time at 91. He's got all these different looks he can give you. He's confident, as we did in the live pitching breakdown, sequencing, going to any pitch in any count. And, dude, like, it's looking good. It's looking good overall. I know the last couple starts have been, like, not as sharp for him, but I'm loving what I'm seeing so far.
1: If if he only had a fastball and slider and he was a 45 command, he's a top 100 arm. With 60 command, with 50 present, 60 future, if it was just fastball slider, he's a top 70 prospect in baseball. But the cutter and the changeup, what oh, makes him top fifty. Yeah. He's yeah. got the makings of future ace of the Detroit Tigers.
0: Yep. I'm I'm with you. I I really am. And I know again, like the last two outings have been a little rough. I'm not too worried about it. I'm not. No, you, I'm not and
1: too. you also have to tick differently. And you should go listen to that interview because you realize that this guy ticks differently. And we get to talk to a guy every week on the Just Baseball show that just ticks differently. And there's a reason he's the ace of the LA. Do- I mean, Kershaw,
0: but like co ace. He's the yeah. co ace of the LA Dodgers. And Walker Bueller. Yeah. yeah and, 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 and it's funny, Joe mentioned Bueller as like an inspiration behind the cutter and his arsenal. And, uh, you know, you can see the, there, there's some similarities there in terms of the it. different ways they can attack you, the pitchability, the, the, the ability to tunnel different offerings. It's it's similar.
1: Aces find edges when they don't need them, and Job did not need an edge with a cutter and a changeup. He could have gotten to the big leagues on fastball slider alone, but he found two competitive edges in a cutter and a changeup.
0: Hundred percent. We get to forty-five, and another guy that I just just should not be ranking. Yeah, like I just we're sick of ranking this guy, um, Joey Ortiz, shortstop, Baltimore Orioles. I mean, he he just – he hits the ball so hard. <laughs> he consistently hits the ball. Um, I know the power numbers are never going to be crazy because he's not a big lift guy, but I, he hits the ball so hard that I think he's going to consistently be a pretty high batting average guy, and we've seen that. you know, If you look at the last – if you take his last, I believe it would be 103 – or is it 113 games at the AAA level, I'm pretty sure he's hitting over 340 – with a near 400 on base and a 540 slug, like this guy has, it has nothing left to prove in Triple. It's kind, of, it has to be boring for him at this point. And not to mention, he's a he was viewed as a glove first guy. Like he's an elite defender at shortstop. He's a plus defender at the very least. So you know, you're getting a guy that's 55 to 60 hit, 55 raw power, 55 run, 60 glove. And we're just—he's just, just rotting away in Triple A right now. It's—it's it's driving me nuts.
1: Rotting. He and he and Michael Bush, 103 games in Triple A last year and this year. He's slashing 340, 394, 543.
0: Yeah, I just like—I I just don't want to watch this guy in Triple A anymore. Let's
1: cut the shit, man. Like, let's like, just get him on mass and let's put let's put him in the Orioles. In yeah, shit.
0: get Mateo to the bench and you know let's let's watch Ortiz play a little bit more. I mean you're talking 88% zone contact, 89% zone contact and a 90 90th percentile of one Oh six. Yeah. Like from a data perspective, it's it's money as well. Um, I I'm tired of watching this guy. He's I think he's going to be a really, really consistently good shortstop at the big league level. I don't know if they're going to play him there, obviously, but if you put him on any other team, I think he's a very solid and consistent big league shortstop who has the upside to have, I think some really exciting offensive potential, Got to cut down the chase rate slightly. That might be the one reason why he's not up there. And I think, you know, he's, he's been trying to do that. And it you know, that's the one thing that's kind of elevated for him. Um, but again, I, I'm, I've seen enough. I'm, <laughs> I love this guy. Yeah. 44, AJ smith shaver <laughs> This is like the funny part of the rankings where it's just like <laughs> guys that have kind of been all over the place. Um, smith shaver has really settled in uh, over the last couple starts in, in AAA A. Um, we talked about him a lot a couple episodes ago of just like how to how to look at him in terms of value, because he started the year in high A after like a meh year in low A and somehow ends up in the big leagues in a span of, you know, on on May 16th or April 16th. He's in high A mm-hmm. and by June 4th, he's in the, he's big, in leagues. the big leagues. Um, that's crazy. Yes. So you know, there's been some understandable hiccups. He's survived in the big leagues. He survived in triple. And now I think he's starting to really settle in and look pretty good in triple. You know, he's 20 years old. I think he's been aggressively pushed all over the place. And I still think he's one of the best pitching prospect arms we have.
1: Yeah. And we have this combo about Smith Schauber during the pitcher episode. Like, are we looking at him in a different way because he has struggled a little bit in the major league level? I, I think yes. So this guy should be viewed as one of the better pitching prospects in all of baseball. And that's how we're viewing him.
0: Yep. I'm with you. And I mean, like it's it's one of those things you don't want to pit it against him for for being able to be challenged the way that he was. And um, I think you can make the case that he's even higher because if they kept him in high A or double, as we talked about in this I think it was also like the topics conversation that we had like a couple episodes ago on a Friday. Um, he would have been carving through high A and double and probably be in the same conversation as like a Cade Horton type maybe. So yes. it, it's hard to it's hard to really rank him specifically there. i got a couple more. I know you got to bounce, Jack. So uh, Jose DePala, Dodgers outfielder 43 on the list. I'm a big DePala guy. Uh, I know that you're all the way in too. Um, I mean, this guy, like the power is still a work in progress. He's still trying to find that. And I think he will, um, because he's a big dude with, with uh, plenty of room on the frame. But what I've been floored with is how advanced the swing is and how comfortable he looks at the plate and the contact rates. I mean, it's just really impressive stuff. I, I I think this is going to be one of those guys that could go nuclear next year. Um, he just turned 18 years old. Yeah. He has all this room to add strength. The contact rates are borderline plus. And again, like you can see so much room in his frame. The chase rates are low. Um, This is my pick next year to go like supernova, I think.
1: So he's 18 years old, but he's not in double A yet. So yeah, Yeah, he's cooked. He's cooked. Um, Now, this is one of those guys where like, go watch video of him swing a bat, whether it's on X or on YouTube. Like, yeah, just yeah. go watch him and tell us that he isn't a top 50 guy. And, and I know, yeah. like, hey, if you look at the baseball reference page and you see a 750 OPS, it's like, oh, okay, whatever. Go watch him swing a bat. Yeah. For 18 years old, no 18-year-old. seventeen. It's, like it's
0: his age 17 season, really, too. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah it, it's such an advanced swing. The power will come, I promise. And with the approach being where it's at, I think this is one of the best teenage prospects we have right now. Um, And it's only going to get better and better. Again, this is my, like, supernova breakout candidate guy for next year. I'm really excited to see what he's going to do. One of my favorite young swings that we've got in the minor leagues with so much more room to add impact 42 talk about impact. Uh Tamar Johnson, uh, second base prospect with the Pittsburgh pirates. Dude, this guy hits the crap out of the ball and a little scary moment the other day took a ball off his hand, comes back in plays the next day, hits a home run. Uh, he has really settled into high A, which is encouraging to see because I thought this could be a test for him. And it, and it has been a test. Like He's definitely struggled with the consistency, um, but he's definitely started to tap into a lot more power, starting to walk a little bit more. And, uh, I mean, he's holding his own up there. It, it, it's been impressive to see. He's 19 years old. That they, We've talked about how the hit tool is not the 70-grade hit tool that I think people celebrated it as, but the power is – Well above what anybody gave him credit for, I think, at the beginning of the year uh, or or at draft time as well. He's elevated his stock for me this year with plus power, with a good enough field to hit and a really good approach, sub 20 percent chase rate. Uh, Tamar has the chance to be a, an offensive monster from the left side of the box at, at second base.
1: Well, in early returns is that he's king less in high yeah. A, which is really interesting. Now, I, this guy is whippy as shit. And we, we've we talked about him. We talked about him when he got that promotion to high A. But, dude, like I, I think getting out of low A, getting away from low A pitching where it's, you know, effectively wild is going to yeah. be massive for a guy like
0: this especially when we talk about everything we talked about with Dylan Cruz. Like, yeah, I know he's not as advanced and there's more whiff, but this is a guy that's really selective, really good feel for the strike zone. And I think, you know, this will help him being in high. A. Like you said, and it has, I mean, we've seen the strikeout rate drop. We've seen the walk rate sustain. It's not 22%, but it's 17%. And he's been really productive. So yeah, yeah. I'm excited. I think tomorrow proving it here in high A uh, is really going to help solidify his stock as, you know, one of the, the better, you know, again, talk about teenage, hitting prospects in the game. It's a young 19 young 19 last but not least. We got Ricky Tiedemann left-handed pitching prospect with the Toronto blue Jays who if healthy, you you can see the future value here. I mean, he's probably the only 60 future value guy, 60 plus future value guy we have outside of the top 20. Um, If healthy, Ricky Tiedemann's an ace. Mm -hmm. That's the question though. Does he stay healthy? And I can't predict that. I can't project that. Um, it's been a little bit of a struggle for him since returning to double. He had the most comical rehab appearance I've ever seen in, in, in Dunedin where he went three innings of one hit, no walks, no Ks, nine or sorry, no walks, no runs, nine Ks. So every guy was retired via the strikeout. We've had two appearances for New Hampshire in double A, one where he didn't make it out of the first. The last one was a lot more encouraging, three and two thirds, two earned runs, one walk, five Ks. Um, that, that's you know good to see. It's fastball that is mid to upper nineties, touching a hundred that gets on you from a six-four, long release point, three quarters. Just gross. Talk about sale ask. Here's another one. Slider that's downright unhittable. And a changeup that when he has it is also plus. We've got two seventy pitches and a sixty. And the command has shown when he's healthy to be above average, but you know, when guys are banged up, it's hard to repeat that release point the same way. And I think that's impacted him. We've seen above average command. I think this guy to me is everything that people wanted Kyle Harrison to be. Yes. And it's just about the health. And, you know, again, we can't predict that, but Ricky Tiedemann has a chance to be really special.
1: He's a, he's a strikeout artist, man. Um, Across the last two years, 36 innings in low a 16 K's per nine, 37 innings in high a 13 K's per nine. 28 innings in double a 14 k's per night he's a strikeout savant and listen, he's, and he's not walking seven guys per nine so don't walk anybody and and don't get hurt <laughs>
0: uh here are the numbers by by pitch real quick fastball last year 150 opponent batting average Changeup last year 170 opponent batting average slider last year 130 opponent batting average what are you, like what are you, what are you looking for? What are you what are you key holing? What are you trying to hit? Uh, good luck. Um, you know his real name is Tariq Lenny Tiedemann. Yes, that's also awesome. That's sick. That's a sick name. But yeah, we'll we'll wrap up on that. Um, I already kept Jack longer. I know he's got to get to the ballpark, but that'll do it for this episode of the Call Up. We've got two more to go: forty to twenty-one, and then twenty to number one. Uh, again, the link is in the episode description if you want to read along on all of these write-ups. As always, thank you for listening. Look forward to talking prospects with you tomorrow.